Alrighty. You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. and blue cfl podcast the conquering hero returns edition my name is Oz davis i'll be the host of the show and the conquering hero in question is winnipeg blue bombers diehard fan joe pritchard who comes back from canada to join us on the show joe how was it in brief because you can talk about it in full later but in brief how was it that was awesome <laughs> all right that was an excellent uh, – that was tweet-length, that submission. So let's get right into the podcast. But first, I'm going to get on the soapbox. So if you don't want to hear uh, at least slightly more than semi-coherent rant, you can fast-forward. I don't know, maybe four or five minutes. It's not going to take that long. But – there's something I want to say that speaks to a grander purpose than, than just CFL fandom. I was there's on Facebook. Gran, there's a grander purpose than that? <laughs> I'm confused by these a, words. A few. A few. Oh, okay. um, I suppose we can tie it all into this CFL in the end, but uh, we are, after all, the league of diversity is strength. But I... Uh, there, there, there's been this campaign on Facebook, okay? This all started because I've been paying way too much attention to Facebook. So on one hand, I kind of get what I deserve. But on the other hand, you know, where am I going to read critical analysis of Donald Trump if I don't read Facebook? You know, it just doesn't exist out there, right? No one's taking shots at this guy. So i got to go to Facebook every day. In any case, so I was on Facebook recently and uh, i saw that the edmonton eskimos were publicizing they were doing this very odd sort of obscure marketing campaign you know sort of the slow roll marketing campaign where they teased it with uh on september 7th a tradition is reborn did you see any of this stuff like on twitter joe or i'm sure it's yeah. it came across but it really didn't register that well right and ultimately, I guess what it, I thought it was the new helmets or something or like a new uniform design. Because I don't think I've seen that logo on the helmets before. Am I crazy? Uh, they inverted the what they yeah, so those were their third jerseys that they've had for a while. But they used to have yeah. green helmets that went with them. And right. they inverted the colors because the, of the one helmet. Right. So that you used to okay. seeing that specific logo on the green and with the logo in yellow but they inverted the colors so that they could put it on the same helmet right 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 okay okay that's what i thought see i thought that maybe that was it but it turns out that it was all about the traditional fire truck of the team i I, i'm not even in depth on this uh particular aspect of eskimos fanning either uh i should have looked it up before the show but hey I've had no time this week. In any case, regardless, before it was revealed what this was about, at one point on one of these posts, a bunch of people got uppity. 
And a rumor started that the big reveal, the new tradition on the 7th, was going to be that the team had renamed itself to the Edmonton Empire. Okay, At which point, a lot of folks on Facebook saw fit to a lot of embarrassing, I'm sorry to say, folks, Edmonton Eskimos fans on Facebook went on this post and started declaiming about wonderful tradition being ruined and about, quote unquote, PC police. Now, I don't know. I, for one, thought the term PC died in the 1980s. But what the hell do I know? <laughs> you know, I didn't think anybody even talked about political correctness anymore. I thought we were beyond that. But I guess for some paranoid folks, we're not. In any case, you know, I would really appreciate it on a personal level as a white guy. And I've said this on other podcasts that I do that don't, don't necessarily have anything related to the subject either, like the McGuffin Report. Uh, please download it. All places where podcasts are downloaded. Uh, and that is this. Look. I think that as white folks, I think we need to stop like talking so much and start listening. You know, before you start talking about wonderful traditions, okay, maybe we should talk to the people who we are putting on the same level as, for example, a stampeding wild stallion or a lion. Okay. I mean, this is the issue here. Now, I will say this. The Eskimos are not the Washington football team. Okay? They're not certain other U.S. college football teams. Okay? There's no offensive mascot, right? There's no, like, Indian cheers from the stands. Okay? There's nothing like that. So I'm not saying that, you know, the Eskimos are some, you know, cultural imperialists or whatever. I'm not saying that. However, what I'm saying is, is white people... Shut up, okay? Your opinion is not so important right now, all right? Let other people have a turn at the mic, okay? Listen to what they have to say and then judge if you want to keep this tradition. And I would like to say this as one final thing. Everybody, when anybody wants to resist change, it seems, in this country or I guess in Canada as well, they start crying about tradition and stuff. Well, let's talk about some traditions that we don't do anymore. You know, I mean, how about stuff like every Catholic mass has to be in Latin? We don't do that anymore. How about like foot binding? They don't do that stuff in Asia anymore. How about disallowing women the right to vote? What about this tradition? Should 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 did we declaim that when that went away too? Now come on, folks. Let's grow up a little bit. There are like more important things to worry about in life than a potentially offensive mascot name, which really may deserve some consideration. Okay, and that's and that's my piece. I've said my piece. Thank you. Thank you for listening, Joe and audience. I think your first problem there is you went on Facebook. <laughs> Well, like I said, I deserve what I get. I mean, I was just disappointed. Now, I will also say this, too. I should also say this, that there were some fans, uh, presumably it appeared to be white guys mostly, saying, this is embarrassing. I can't believe some of the comments in this thread. I believe that whoever it was, I don't know if it was the team that posted the original uh, bit 
or a fan group. It wasn't the Empire Podcast Facebook page, but, you know, maybe it was a fan group. But I believe that the post has been taken down. I certainly could not find it earlier today anymore. And, you know, I looked on the date and all that crap. Uh, so so I just, you know, I, not I realize that not everybody is bad. Not all football fans are bad. Not all Edmonton Eskimos fans are bad. You know, it's just a few bad apples can spoil the bunch. And the few bad apples always tend to be louder than the rest of everybody else, don't they, Joe? It seems to be that way. <laughs> In almost every walk of life, yeah. The, the bad apples of the bunch are the ones with the megaphones as well. Maybe it's because it's loud of taste. I don't know. In any case, let's talk more now, less about society, and more about football. Thank we God, like to run- because I have nothing to contribute to that last piece. <laughs> oh, great. Except that you agree with me 100%. Pretty much. <laughs> 99% I'll take. All right. Great. Um, okay. So as we like to do on the Rouge Right Blue, let's go to last week's games first. I am more than willing to do so because we started the week with Montreal Alouettes 21, BC Lions 16. Now, I've done some research into this, Joe, but... I believe that the Alouettes never lost the lead in this game. Is that right? Can that possibly be true? It'd be easier if they if they had the box score set up so that you could see the scores easily <laughs> in a row. Like a lot of. But you just go to this handy play-by-play tab over here on CFL.ca, the football league, and uh, see for sure. But no, I was incredibly happy with this game as an Alouettes fan. I am thrilled with the one-two punch of our running game back there. We finally got to see both our guys in full action. I mean, it, you kind of get the feeling that William Stanback hasn't been playing at uh, 100%. Uh, last week, I should say, hasn't been. Last week wasn't playing at 100% yet, but wow. In the second quarter when he ripped off that 24-yarder, it was the same as that. You know, he was back. And so I was just happy to see that running game. Now, I guess my question for you, Joe, is because I always like to frame these things in a question. Um, can, in a passing league, in an era of passing, can a run team survive? Yes, they can. Sign the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Hmm. Really? Really? Okay. All right. Because I was kind of seeing the Bombers as having a multifaceted attack. I mean, they may be run first, but, I mean, we've got three guys now that can run the ball on any play. Um, like this backfield. Like, I, I, I guess all of my football teams are, are into running the ball these days. So I, I guess I like the oddball teams. Um Really, that's all I had on this game. Uh, there, there's really not much you can say about BC Lions these days. Do they get the bye next week? There's only six teams playing. Are they on the bye? Well, let's take a peek here. I did confirm you are correct that the Alouettes never trailed, and BC does play this week. <laughs> yes, I knew that the Alouettes never trailed. I watched every minute of that game. And loved it. Uh, you gotta love how the headline piece on the BC Lions over there at the official website today is Lions paying attention to detail to improve offensive line. This is what, two weeks after they fired their line coach? 
Yeah. I, they were talking about this during the game. It was incredible. Really trying to publicize uh, uh, the TSN guys were really trying to publicize BC Lions quite a bit. Just saying, wow, look at them celebrating on the sideline. They're getting into the game. Talking about how new offensive line coach was like improving their footwork by six inches this way and that. And then they get out on the field and they score, what, 18 points? I mean, that's not going to cut it, BC. I guess you guys are waiting until next year. Right. Let's talk about another team that's probably waiting until next year, the Ottawa Red Blacks, who got fairly well decimated, especially in the second half, by the Toronto Argonauts, 46-17. to 17. Wow. Uh, this is hard to get your head around, uh, seeing as how Ottawa started up 7 nothing and up 10-3. And, you know, again, uh, my research on this, Joe, shows that that means they were outscored 43-7 to the rest of the way. Yeah, that, or was, 40. Yeah, that wasn't a very pretty game for them. <laughs> to say the least, you know, by saying that, by saying it that way. <laughs> yeah, see, your your Canadian is fantastic. I can tell you just got back from the from the mother country. <laughs> uh, if only, uh, yes. Yeah, so again, we go. We're going back to the Ottawa is not scoring thing. Since week, since their big blowout, blow up on offense in week two over Saskatchewan, forty-four to forty-one, <laughs> they've scored over twenty points once. Yeah, that's yeah, I mean, not gonna work. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying on the podcast last time, there's been at least four, and I think five games where they haven't scored an offensive touchdown, including the one game that they won because they got six or seven field goals. Speaking of which, I did want to say this. This is how bad things went for Ottawa, that Lewis Ward actually missed a 52-yarder earlier in the fourth. But I got to wonder this. I mean, here they are. They're down 32-16 to 16 in the fourth quarter, and it's third and five. You're going for that, right? You got to go for Third it, and right? five from the 45, yeah. Yeah. From midfield? Yeah, you've got to – I mean, what are you doing? You're playing three-down football. Your your score has been doubled here. You're being lapped. You've got to, right? score, you've got to score two touchdowns, and that field right. goal isn't exactly a gimme. Now, if it's fourth and 20 from that spot, yeah, sure, I'll take the three, and I'll try to get the ball back as fast as I can. But fourth – yeah. or fourth. Third and five? Yeah, I, I'm totally, totally, totally going to be going for that. <laughs> and what they got instead was their only point of the fourth quarter in which they were outscored magnificently 21 to 1. Now, what did you think of McLeod Bethel Thompson in this game? I assume you didn't really watch this game, right? Because you were doing other things. Yes, I was probably oh. hanging out with the Piffles Pod people and a few other right. guests uh, at a tailgate thrown by Bomber Van Ted. There so I will be uh, not really contributing a whole lot about this besides uh, broad strokes. Uh, okay. But yeah, uh, it seems like over the past month or so, maybe even a little bit longer, Tom, uh, Bethel Thompson has taken the starting job and is going to make somebody take it from him at this point. He's not giving mm -hmm. it back anytime soon. Oh, no, 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 no. They're, they're going to run with him. They're going to run with him. I mean... <sighs> 
with Montreal playing as well as they are, I don't know how they're going to make a run at this thing. I mean, I guess they can count on the Eskimos just to, like, stop scoring altogether, uh, maybe squeak into the playoffs as that third team in the East. But they're going to have to do quite a bit. But I was just wondering what you were thinking, being, you know, a longtime Brett Favre follower. What do you think of Gunslinger, Bethel Thompson? Wow. I mean, he was a wild man this game. I mean, I mean, you know, he's been, he's, he's had a run now, I think, five of the last six games of 400 yards, 300 yards. Uh, this game, 411 yards, but two picks, also three touchdowns. I mean, he was just everywhere in this game, just throwing it around, like didn't really care too much because figured early on that they would get the win. Um, so uh, in the next game, who, who do they have next? They're not playing next week either, right? Uh, I believe they're not. Toronto is not playing next week. They host Calgary in week 15. Ah, damn. Okay, so well, I mean, hopefully run. he'll still, well, hopefully he'll still be slinging guns against uh, Calgary somehow because I would really like to see what you think as a five connoisseur. Now, I got to ask you this because in my opinion, I know this is going to be a controversial opinion. I haven't dropped enough of this, this podcast already, but, um, my favorite play of the week was in this game, uh, the fake punt. Did you see that one? That was great. That was great because normally, for those who didn't see the play, basically what happened was is that a red-black player rushed him. He got through the line, and he was on him. But rather than punt the ball, he ran with it and got a good 13 yards on the play. Um Really, just a nice um, move by Ronald Pfeffer. We must give kudos to Ronnie Pfeffer today. Um, just an outstanding play. Well worth going back to the highlights. I love this one because, you know, again, normally on the punt play uh, that you get the first down on, uh, it's a design play. And, you know, it doesn't work like, what, 70% of the time or some stupid statistics like this. But this one was great because there was adaptability and, you know, just got enough to just did enough, didn't play hero, any of that, got the first down, continued the drive. Unfortunately, this was one of the few Argos drives that did not end in a score on this day, but just a really nice play. So I encourage you to look at the highlights for the gunslinging and the punter running. Will do, and yes, like... You don't, you're not exactly expecting to play contain when your when your punt when your punt rusher breaks through like that. <laughs> well, you know, I was I was uh, gonna say uh, I was I was talking with Rod Villa Gomez uh, before this game. You know, kind of rubbing it in a little bit. Him being the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks fan at the Wood Cookie Sawcast, and uh, you know, just telling him, I was like, geez, why don't they just make Noel Thorpe, head coach right now. I mean, he's wanted to be head coach for years. Why don't they just make a head coach? And it's like, after this game, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they should not Jerry, maybe they should not go full Jerry Jones just yet. Uh, and uh, just let the season play out as miserable as it's going to be. Right. All right, Joe. The moment you and many of the rest of us have been waiting for. Winnipeg. 35. Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 35, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, 10. Joe, you went up for this game. You were expecting to lose this game with your quarterback, Andrew Harris, the all-purpose, the almighty halfback out. What do you think? How was your trip? Tell us. 
Oh, Everything. fantastic. Well, let's talk about the game <laughs> first, and then maybe we'll talk about the trip. But, uh, yeah, so uh, first first play from scrimmage from the 10, and Strebler gets sacked, and you just, I'm kind yeah. of sitting there going, might be a long day. Then he, that was dark. <laughs> then he tucks it and runs for 17 yards, just enough for a first down, and then they keep the ball for almost 10 minutes and drive down yep. the field slowly and methodically, just awesome. sticking it in the rider's face going, you could try all you want, but you are not stopping us today. Yeah, and that's the riders. And that's the riders. Uh, the Bombers were looking at that front and just saying, nah, whatever. Now, this was actually 840, 844. I've got it. So, 844. So, pretty good. Before the touchdown. So, actually, a few more seconds after the extra point level. So, pretty good clock eating. I loved it. I loved it. Because wasn't it really um, humid there as well? No, it was per- It was beautiful. Absolutely oh, beautiful. Temperatures. I'm thinking of another game. 60s for U.S. fans, uh, oh, wow. just under 20 wow. for Canadian fans, and anybody else sensible enough to use the metric system. Uh, so it, could, <laughs> it just couldn't have been a more beautiful day for football. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Wow. Nice score. Wow. Okay, so were you ever in doubt after that answer by Scrubby? In doubt? No. Once that wow. drive happened, it's like, yeah, that this this game is pretty much over, because I look because you looked and you saw a lot of complaining from uh, the riders towards the officials, towards each other, towards the bombers. Yes. Yes. You could just yes. tell they were pissed off already, and we weren't even through the first quarter yet. The bombers were in their heads at that point, and sure oh. they did. The rider offense did respond near the end of the quarter, put together a decent drive, mm-hmm. and got a few points off of it. But after that, the Bombers then just went ahead and did the same thing. Took just took the ball and kept it for 10, 11 plays, scored again, and they were off to the races. Three and out and right back to it. Yeah, an eight-and-a-half-minute drive at any point in the game can certainly be frustrating for the opposition, I'm sure. That that can ruin your whole day. Isn't that an expression? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was really nice to see. Uh, really, really impressive. Definitely the drive of the season uh, so far by any team. It was just, just really nice, methodical, just choosing what to do. And, I mean, again, you know, you're playing without the Harris option. They're playing without, you know, they're starting quarterback. This was amazing. Really, really nice stuff. Really yeah. nice stuff. And, and, the, um, and the Riders couldn't get things together on offense in the second. Uh, they did not have a first down. And they also yes. allowed a punt return for a score that was pretty much the end of the game right then. Uh, yeah. As far as the competitive portion of things go, uh, one more touchdown near the end of the near the end of the half after Willie Jefferson got the ball away from Cody Fajardo. And we went down at halftime just knowing, yeah, uh, this, this one's over pretty quickly. And then 
right after right after the beginning of the third quarter, three and out again, or two and out again for the mm-hmm. Riders, and the Bombers go right down the field and score. Mm-hmm. That was the yeah, that yep, was yep. a long ball to Augustine, and that was that was that at that right. point. I mean, there's been there was yeah, so was many that? exclamation points in this game, but that one was it's 35 to three. We just scored on a bomb with a quarterback that people don't think can throw the ball done deal well this has been bomber ball um all this year and when they were successful last year is you answer right you answer the call that's when uh after that sack i'm glad you pointed this out and strebler got the big run to answer it that's when i thought oh Okay, well, that long afternoon suddenly turned brighter all of a sudden, you know, because, again, that's what Winnipeg does. And, again, even without Harris, even with Strembler at pivot, as they like to say, at quarterback, um, you know, they did a nice job. Uh, glad you brought up Johnny Augustine. How'd you, how'd you like him this game? Uh, I wanted to say this, that Augustine and Strebler between them, 145 yards on 27 carries. That's about five and a half yards a carry. Uh, you were pumping up Augustine a couple of weeks ago when statistically he wasn't so good, but damn, this week statistically he was good. He sure was. Uh, they, they did what they had to do to keep the chains moving. Just Augustine and Strebler, they did not play a lot of the Jet Sweep game that they have been doing, uh, probably because the two guys that they tend to use for it, Whitehead and Dembski, were both out more weapons out of the game and the bombers just kind of shrugged and uh, kept kept things moving now do we have any timetable on a return for your quarterback uh nothing yet okay all right <laughs> it's not, I'm sure it's no problem for you guys. I mean, you know, I was talking about heading into these two games, heading into this back-to-back. I was threatening Joe. Poor Joe's probably having nightmares about the possibility that Saskatchewan could be on top of the West at this point right now. Instead, they are still statistically in third place. Let's talk about that team that is statistically in second. Because this is what's probably giving you nightmares right now, Joe. And if they're not, they sure should be. Calgary Stampeders, 33. Edmonton Empire, 17. Uh, I got some good news for Edmonton fans on this game. You know, I'm going to be a snarky little jackass on this one. I got some good news. Hey, the good news is you scored all three times you're in the red zone. Bad news is you're only in the red zone three times this whole game. And one of them was in garbage time, and you're already down like 18 points in the fourth quarter. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you also your team also registered five two-and-outs. Uh, so getting in the red zone three times is not enough. I thought it was – I guess one of the reasons why I'm so irritated right now is because in the first quarter, admittedly, the uh, Eskimos put together a nice drive, uh, scored in the first quarter, and the players reacted like they had won the cup. I mean, it was insane. Just because you can score inside the red zones against the Stamps, this is cause for like this over-the-top celebration? Come on, guys. 
if the Eskimos finish in fourth place, you know, in this division this year, which it's kind of looking like they're going to, um, you know, this show is kind of an example of why that's so. I mean, this was really, as they used to say in, in this country, Bush League stuff. I mean, are they that happy to score? Well, uh, <laughs> our listenership in Edmonton's about to plummet from three to zero, thanks to <laughs> all of your all of the uh, all of the fun you've been having with them, uh, for Aww. lack of a better term. But yeah, Edmonton's outlook went from iffy to downright bleak because Trevor Harris is week to week right now with an arm injury of some sort. Nobody's really talking, but he if they had to play this next week which i don't believe they do then he may not be starting so yeah there's really not a lot of good news coming out of edmonton right now yeah edmonton edmonton needs to i guess i don't know if they're not careful you know toronto could sneak up on them for that crossover spot um, I'm not sure that Edmonton would even go anywhere in the playoffs right now if they, if they get Montreal in the first round. In any case, um, okay. So, on the other side of the field, really, Eskimos fans, I want your team to be good. I really do. But you're really starting to frustrate me out there. See, Toronto is winning me back over. I'm not hating watching them nearly as much anymore. But Eskimos, I'm sorry, man. I just... I, I want you guys to be good, but I don't know. So anyway, the team on the other side of the field in this game was the Calgary Stampeders. And, um, you know, you can describe this game from their end any number of ways you want. You know, dominated pretty much all aspects of the game after that first score by Calgary, uh, after that first score by the Eskimos, uh, 33-10, of course. 33-3 before garbage time, really. So... But my question for you, Joe, is this. Is Calgary the team to beat right now, even though they're down, like, what, a game and a half on, on Winnipeg? No, they're not. Uh, the okay. Bombers are, really? the bo- right. They do have a game in hand on Winnipeg. Uh, yes. Winnipeg ha- is going into a bye and also has a bye in Week 21. So right. Calgary is 7-4, and four, Winnipeg is 9-3. and three. However, right. besides, you know, just the good feeling I have about the Bombers at the moment – given what happened over the weekend they have beaten calgary once already and week 19 and 20 uh is going to be a back-to-back if winnipeg wins mm-hmm. one of those games they have the tiebreaker so winnipeg mm-hmm. is definitely the team to beat in this scenario now calgary oh, if calgary sweeps that back-to-back they probably win the West, uh, assuming that yeah. things continue on course, you know, with minimal diversion. But they've got to win both. Okay. All right. But, all right. Aside from that, who besides Winnipeg is going to beat Calgary right now? I mean, they handled Saskatchewan the last time they played them pretty well enough. But, I mean, let's say they've run the table except for one of the Winnipeg games. I mean, isn't that possible? Yeah, so that puts them at 13-5. and five, And that puts Winnipeg right. at 14-4, and four, assuming Winnipeg runs the table. So Winnipeg could lose one. But they're going to lose one, one game to Calgary in my scenario. 
Right, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm putting them at 14 and 4, because they're 9 and 3 okay. right now. Really? Do you really think that are they going to go undefeated the rest of the way, Drew? Well, if we're going to posit that both teams go undefeated besides each other, that's where we're sitting. It's 14 <laughs> and 4 and 13 and 5, which means Winnipeg has a marginal room for error. They have one game that they could lose in this scenario that we're positing here and still winning mm-hmm. the West by splitting with Calgary. Okay. I'll tell you what, Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast, we're going to go to a break right now. We're going to go to a break because we're going to come back. We're going to talk next week's games, but we're also going to talk. We're going to look at the schedules of the Stamps and the Bombers, and we're going to like hash this one. So right back after this musical break. Right, Blue CFL podcast. I'm on, I'm Os Davis. I'm with my co-host Joe Pritchard. Um, we during the break we open the whole can of worms and we're gonna talk some playoffs because I guess this is the first time in 2019 we get to do that. Jeez, is it ending already, Joe? No, it's not ending. It's just that Hamilton is so far ahead of third place <laughs> in the East that they can clinch this week. They can clinch the East. Division, or they can clinch a playoff they can spot. Clinch a playoff spot out east. Wow, wouldn't that be amazing if they ended up in third place in the east? <laughs> almost, <laughs> I don't even know. If... Almost completely impossible. It would take <laughs> Ottawa finding out how to play offense, and Hamilton completely cratering. Well, Toronto, Toronto could win out. Right? They're so hot right I now. I don't <laughs> think Toronto's got a tiebreaker on <laughs> Hamilton, though. Because oh, Hamilton's 9-2, yes, Toronto's 2-9. I'm not sure if they've played Toronto twice yet, because if they have, they've beaten them both times, I'm sure. So that would be that. Okay. Right, yeah, of course, because Toronto hasn't beaten hardly anybody this season. So <laughs> makes sense. Okay, so, but by your reckoning, then, so Hamilton wins and they're in? So they win? And Ottawa loses. Well, okay. So if Ottawa loses at BC, they're three and nine. And if Hamilton wins or ties, they are at nine and a half or ten wins, and that's that. <laughs> yep. Okay. Wow. So they would finish Crazy. no lower than second in the East. So that means they're hosting a playoff game come November. Which one? Mm-hmm. That's still up for debate, as far as Montreal's concerned, for sure. But yeah. Ottawa is about to take itself out of the running for first place. Mm-hmm. Not that they've been in it since like week three anyway. <laughs> yeah. Ever since coming back from that bye, I do not know what happened on that bye week three, but whatever happened, they must not ever, ever, ever do that again. Whatever it was. I don't know what happened there. But just, unless it was my alternative theory, which is they scored all the points allotted to them by the CFL in the first two weeks of the season. That might be the other um, case for that. In any case, let, we wanted to talk primarily about the Saskatchewan Winnipeg race out west. Now, uh, Calgary, um, Calgary, right? Uh, sorry, Winnipeg Calgary race out west. Uh, now, Calgary is going this week. Um, they're going against Hamilton. They are. Uh, but they're at home. 
Yes. And uh, Winnipeg is on the bye. So this week, that's the situation. Going forward, okay, I've got Calgary. So are we, uh, are we writing Saskatchewan out of this scenario here? Well, let's consider. Well, all right, let's consider these two first. <laughs> We're adding a layer of difficulty. Well, to this I year. just don't want right. to be accused of picking against the Riders just because I'm a Bomber fan, right? Well, the Riders have already lost the tiebreaker to both of these teams. They have not, because Saskatchewan okay. and Winnipeg play later this year. Okay, all right. But but Calgary's got it over them, and Saskatchewan not only has to make up that game-and-a-half gap on Winnipeg, but also they have to make sure that Calgary doesn't. So there's an added layer of difficulty to Saskatchewan anyway, right? At least as far as winning the West is concerned, right? Mm. So, but we, we can look at their schedule too. We can. I, I'm not exactly writing them off, but I would be I would be very surprised if it was Saskatchewan. Okay. Now, now that they lost the bench, I think that was a real that was a real must win. I think for the division. Okay. But I'll let I'll case, let them so, send you the angry letters then. Right. Okay. I got Edmonton and Saskatchewan against me now. This is great. You know, my team's in the East, guys. Really. I've got nothing against you. Uh, all right, so after Hamilton at home, Calgary gets at Toronto, which might be a tough game. Bye week, and then at Montreal, wow, versus Saskatchewan, versus Winnipeg, at Winnipeg, at BC. So that's not an undifficult schedule. That is, uh, yeah, that is, a, that could be a road. That could very well could be, be a, road. a road. I mean, uh... There's some games there. Hosting Hamilton's probably to their advantage, obviously. At Toronto, Toronto's probably a team nobody wants to face right now. I mean, it would take a stretch for me to pick Calgary or take Calgary to lose that one. But stranger things have happened. And then to go mm-hmm. to Montreal after the bye. Well, Calgary after the bye is usually pretty deadly. But yeah, they will be com- they will be coming out of the bye, but. Um, at yeah, Mont- it at will Montreal be hasn't yeah. exactly been their happy place either, though. That's true. That is very, very true. It'll be interesting to see that late season Calgary at Montreal when we actually have a team to put out there against them. That actually, that's a good point. And then, you know, they got three teams against the other top threes in the West. I may be eating my words on Saskatchewan here. So that's, that is a pretty difficult schedule. So is that a seven games? Wow. Well, they're the they're the stamps. So you got to figure they're going to go four and three, right? Okay. So Winnipeg has now Winnipeg has a buy sandwich. They're buy this week and a buy in last week. So they're at Montreal versus Hamilton, at Saskatchewan versus Montreal, at Calgary versus Calgary. Okay. So a lot on those last two games at Montreal again. We're giving, wow, Montreal is a tough schedule coming down the stretch. What am I talking about? Uh, at home against Hamilton. Okay, going to Saskatchewan. That could be an L. It could be, but keep in mind that the labor that the thing that hangs over their head on Labor Day doesn't seem to apply to games where they're where it's not Labor Day. Besides that, mm-hmm. they seem like they can <laughs> win in the win in that place. It's just for some reason Labor Day is Labor Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the teams, you know, people claim that there's no such thing as like losing culture and stuff like that. But I don't know. Certain things tend to stick to teams through history. It's weird. 
Um, well, gee, Joe, to be conservative, this kind of looks like three and three. I mean, unless they can go to Saskatchewan and pull out the upset, um, this kind of feels like three and three. So that puts them at twelve and six, and you said Calgary That'd four and three. That puts Calgary at yeah. eleven and seven. Yeah, so that'll be enough. Now, all right. So what about Saskatchewan? Let's look. Let's open another can of worms here. Because actually, after looking at that Calgary schedule, I may have to reconsider my Saskatchewan. Okay, so they're at home against Montreal this week. By the way, at Toronto versus Winnipeg, at Calgary, at BC, at Edmonton versus Edmonton. Wow. Okay, so this feels like a 5-2, and two, actually. So that would... I don't know, what do you think? They go 5-2 on this? They could. And If they're beating the Bombers, they probably will. Right, and if they beat the Bombers and they go 5-2, and two, you have them at 12-6, and you put them in to win the West. Wow, crazy. Okay, wow. I guess I guess schedule is important. I guess that week, that week 21, wow, things, could, things are definitely going to come down to week 21 because in week 21 you're going to have Saskatchewan versus Edmonton, and... Edmonton is at very least going to want to play spoiler if they're locked into that crossover. Or they might even be fighting for their lives uh, against an Eastern team. So, hmm, hmm, very interesting. All right. Well, the West will be wild going down a stretch. Unfortunately, if we're talking next week's games, we start with a bit of a dud here. I don't know if, if this is at all relevant for the playoffs at all. Ottawa at BC... You want to guess the line on this one, just for sadomasochistic sake? I'm going to have... I'm going to go with BC minus five. Wow! Dude, minus five and a half. Great guess. Great guess. I didn't think it was going to be quite that high, but there you go. Um, I don't know. Not much to say about this game. You could flip a coin. I mean, John Jennings was kind of good last week, but he still made way too many questionable decisions. I mean, dude throws it. I think it was, I want to even say 40 times, and he only had nine incompletions, but they were the worst nine decisions of the game, basically. Um, It was, wow, it was very strange. It was very strange. So, I mean, maybe Jennings will try and get revenge against his old team. Maybe Thorpe has Jennings figured out. I don't know. Um, or, I'm sorry, maybe BC he has Jennings figured out, such as he is. I don't know. Um, I guess I'll take BC because Ottawa looks so crappy right now. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, given that we don't think too highly of either of these teams... I'm going to go with home field as the tiebreaker, given it's in BC, <laughs> and it's going to be a late game on Friday for Ottawa. So right. given that scenario, I think BC pulls sure. out its second win. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell you what, for betting purposes, I'd stay away from this game, because you want to like just stay away from pointless games. Don't even bother. You might as well flip a coin. All right, so next we have... <laughs> Hamilton at Calgary. Now, Hamilton wants to clinch, but wow, I mean, Calgary's just, they're looking good right now. So, with the tough schedule ahead of them, they're six and a half point favorites. 
I don't know if it'll be that much of a blowout, but on the other hand, I could imagine Calgary winning that touchdown at home. Um, even if I have them going 4-3 and three the rest of the way, I have them winning this game. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say they win this game by, yeah, more than a touchdown. I don't know if it's more than a touchdown. I'm still taking Calgary to win, but I am a little bit leery of giving that many points because Hamilton has been playing well. Even without Jeremiah Mazzoli, that defense is standing up. Dane Evans seems to be seems to have the offense uh, doing what it needs to be doing. Uh, I would say if this game was in Hamilton, I'd have a really tough choice. I'm taking Calgary, uh, but I'm actually having to think about it instead of just automatically plugging Calgary in. If this is look, if this is Hamilton, okay, this is a maybe a pick'em at the book. Maybe it's one point. Yeah. Right. But but look, I mean, Hamilton is on pace for 15 and three. I mean, you know, the mathematics suggest that they're not going to get that, you know, and it's just like so they're going to have to lose a game along the way. And, here. And, and I th- and I do think this will be one. It's just it's not it, yeah. what I'm trying to convey is that I'm not just automatically going, ooh look, horsey, pick him. <laughs> Come on, take that, take that attack, and then at least we'll have the Calgary fans on our side of this podcast. Now we got to win somebody over. Well, I, I mean, that's, that, I'm, that's going, I'm going. I'm going. Ooh, look, horse. That's pretty pretty much the way I've picked Calgary games for the last four years. So <laughs> yeah, but this is, but Joe, that's the thing. This is now the Stampeders that we've had for the past four years. All of a sudden, you know, they looked wonky until two or three games ago. But all of a sudden, bam, they're here again, dude. They're defending champs, remember? You know, I mean, that's yep. the thing. There, that's what blew three, me away about this last game. There's three teams in this league that I believe have, a, have without a doubt, a winning culture. Uh, Calgary, mm-hmm. Winnipeg, and Hamilton right now. Saskatchewan's growing on me as far as that book goes, but that early start didn't look so hot. Uh, but they seem to have recovered from that. If they can keep maintaining maintaining that, keep winning games, then I could probably say, "Hey, look, that move to that move to Craig Dickinson was a good one." But it's a little early on my on my front to say to say that they're on that tier as far as who do I who do I trust? Mm-hmm. Well, Saskatchewan, you know, we we talked about this a lot in the off season is. The moves that they made were all on the veteran side, right? This is a, a team with a lot of names, a lot of familiar players around the CFL. And I think a lot of what they're doing this year is just, you know, that muscle memory, those smarts, just that familiarity with the league. I mean, this is a pretty staple together team. I mean, even compared to something like um, Ottawa <laughs> or Calgary this year. Um, this is a pretty like put together team, but unlike BC, you know the disparate parts, the the guys who are familiar with the league but haven't played with each other are coming together, and those individuals are making up a whole, you know, as opposed to BC where I don't know what they're doing. They're they're they're, they're playing touch football or something over there. Yeah, but the, um, so, the only, I mean, the only thing been, that really, really gives me pause on them, not to quite put them in that top top tier like we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier this year, 
is that they've faced Calgary and Winnipeg a combined three times. Right. One right. one of them on a day where they win pretty much by default by two points and then got smoked in the other two. Right. Right. That's exactly what I was thinking today when I was going over this. And that's exactly why I started this whole thing with I don't believe that they're going to be done stop. They look great against two-thirds of this league. But then against Winnipeg and Calgary, I thought um, when Calgary played this guys, I thought that Calgary had given the league a blueprint to beat him. But it's just most other teams can't do what Calgary does. Right. Most other and, teams and don't have the preparation. credit they've picked up from that yeah. rough start, put yes. together something uh, that is beating the teams that they're facing on their schedule, except yeah. now I have to pause just a little bit more and go, can they recover from just being smacked down in Winnipeg? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a bit of a step back on the progress that really this team has been making since pretty much week one, um, even though they did take that high-scoring loss in week two to Ottawa, uh, which was good once upon a time. <laughs> but um, they've, yeah, they've, there was a step back. But, you know, again, like, of the three contenders in the West, <laughs> the three contenders in the West, um I like their schedule most. I like their schedule most. Um, and the one other thing they right. haven't done yet is, besides early season Ottawa, before people figured out how to stop Dom Davis, was right. they haven't stumbled against somebody that they shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. They take care of business. I mean, they've got the take care of business team. They've got the veterans. They've got the know-how. They um, And whereas, you know, again, like whereas BC hasn't gelled, They've jumped at least enough to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat because there is a lot of talent on that roster. I mean, again, that's what comes, I think, from having the familiar names, you know, of having the veterans. You know, there is a lot of talent on that roster. But Chris Jones was doing this for three years. And sometimes he got deep in the playoffs and sometimes he didn't. And most of the time it was a revolving door over there because nothing would ever stick. Nothing would ever, like... That chemistry was never there. Maybe it wasn't being allowed to form, but the fact is it never really was there the whole time Chris Jones was coach. So, you know, what they're doing this year has been really admirable. I mean, geez, when it comes down to it, by the end of the year, we may think this is the third best team in the CFL. This may be the second best team in the CFL. They've they've got one more against each of these two teams to show us what they got. Yep. 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 Um, Okay. Final game of the week. Wow. All right. Montreal at Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is a six and a half point favorite. <laughs> um, I would really like to believe that this is going to be closer than a touchdown, but I don't know. I worry about Vernon Adams. I worry about Vernon Adams more than Vernon Adams worries about Vernon Adams. I'm sure about that. Uh, but he get, you know, he's one of those heart attack quarterbacks. We talked about this on the show. You know, he's the, he's a Canadian Favre. You know, out here, a uh, real gunslinger, real um, sometimes looks awesome, sometimes looks like a miracle worker, sometimes looks like, you know, I don't know, the the guy they have in Ottawa right now. In any case, um, I think the Riders win. 
I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna be a pessimist. I'm gonna say they win by one touchdown. I'm gonna take the Riders too. So that last two or three minutes, just ignore that. <laughs> no, I kid. I kid. I do. I do believe that the Riders will bounce back uh, to take care of business at home against an Eastern opponent, uh, and we'll see. We'll see what comes of that afterwards. Because then they have the bye, and then they go to Toronto and host Winnipeg. We're gonna find out in this next month. That the answer to the age-old question, contender or pretender. And I'm just going to say this, too. I'm taking the riders in this game at home, but wait till October. Wait till October. I'll be taking Montreal in that game. I may even lay you the touchdown in that game, Saskatchewan. So just do wait, because I, I believe that we will defend home field. Right. Okay. So, Joe, back from Canada this week. That's it, right? You're not going up again until the Grey Cup? Not until the Grey Cup, no. Okay, but you are going up to the Grey Cup. All right. All right, I've got to ask you. I know you probably don't like this question, but how hopeful are you at this point that you're going to see the Grey Cup? How much, how much do I want to admit in public that I hope that I have tickets to three? That's right, you're going on the record. I can edit it out if you want. I can edit it out if you want. So I, I will admit the thought has crossed my mind that when I booked Toronto, which kind of came together after I had already decided on Banjo Bowl and Grey Cup, it's like, hmm, am I buying tickets to three Bomber games this year? Mm-hmm. And That's right. That's right. I remember. This week has shown me that, yeah, well, really the last three weeks have shown me that the Bombers are deep. The Bombers have a, some good chemistry. They have excellent coaching. They're going to have some pieces come back. Some pieces won't. But that's not going to matter too much. They're going to keep rolling. And whether or not that means they end up in the Grey Cup is an open question. It's not like we haven't sat here and discussed who is contending in the West for the last 20 minutes or anything. But <laughs> I have hope. And that's a very, very dangerous thing for a Bomber fan to have. Wow. See, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just more cavalier about it because I can still remember winning a great cup. But, dude, I had the Alouettes missing the playoffs this year, and I have delusions about them making a great cup right now. I mean, I keep telling myself, man, all we need is one win. All we need is to beat Hamilton just once in Hamilton, you know, in November. That's it. That's all we need to do. I, w- I ask myself if I'm going to be able to bet on them in in Las Vegas before the Great Cup, even though I know they're probably going to lose if they were in the Great Cup. <laughs> That's how delusional I am, Joe. You should be on this level. Join me. <laughs> that might make my life <laughs> a lot easier. But your team's got a lot better chance than mine does. Yeah, dude. but there's this whole thing <laughs> about how we've been here before, and mm-hmm. well, I understand. I understand. You got to channel some of that hacker confidence into the uh, into your bombers. Just family. the sheer fact I'm this far should tell you that I have confidence in the team. And once it <laughs> happens, 
then I'll feel more free to go, hey, I feel really good about this. But until it does, I'm going to sit here on pins and needles. Yep. Alrighty. Well, I just wanted to say that, uh, hmm, I get, okay, so you're going to be able to watch the game on Saturday. Right? Uh, both of them, yes. Uh, I'm, especially the uh, Hamilton category because I will not be catching that one live. I have to make a full confession here because at that time, I will be watching my beloved alma mater. Have you seen? Have you seen who my University of Mexico Lobos are playing this week, Joe? No. Okay. So it's actually on national TV. So that should give you a hint. Okay. My beloved University of New Mexico Lobos, traditionally one of the bottom 20 teams in the United States, is going to good old Indiana to play good old Notre Dame. So I'll be watching that because anytime you can watch your favorite college football team go down to like a top 10 powerhouse with tradition, you 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 sit through that. So I'll be watching that game on Saturday afternoon. And by, I don't know, mid-afternoon, I'll be too wasted to watch that second game in the CFL. So, in any case, Joe, have fun watching the games on Saturday. I'll have to catch them on the weekend. Okay. Well, you enjoy watching Friday night because that'll be a decent time for you. I'm going to bed because the heck with that one. Friday night, no. I think that one I'll be catching on the replay, too. I love this time of year. I was telling Joe before the show, I'd like to say it here on the bottom of the show, I love this time of year because I love Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, football all the time. Uh, It's a really exciting week. I know this is heresy to talk about on the show, but it was a very exciting week in the NFL this week, very interesting week, Um, and awesome week in the CFL last week as well. So we're looking forward to next week. Small slate of games, just three games. Heading down the stretch, looking at those Winnipeg Blue Bombers to appear in the Great Cup for my host, Joe Pritchard's sake. I'm Oz Davis. This has been the Bruce White Blue CFL Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the games. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Alrighty. 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 Alrighty.